It is Tuesday, the 11th of May, 2021. Elon Musk has Asperger's, and he's still a complete asshole. And you're listening to the Handsome Genius Club Radio Show. Hey kids, welcome to the show. My name is Kingdom Anthony Kingdom James. And yes, Elon Musk appeared as the uh, guest host on Saturday Night Live this past weekend. Uh, in his monologue, he he revealed that he has Asperger's. And uh, good for him. Uh, TMZ has an article talking about how his revelation is inspiring others. And that's great for people on the spectrum. You have Asperger's if you have autism. But Elon Musk is still a complete and utter asshole. Asperger's does not explain the way he treats his fucking employees. Asperger's doesn't explain away him um, fucking over the lives of the people that work for him. You know, there's there's uh, there's a lot of injuries at those plants, <laughs> and he doesn't he doesn't give his employees health insurance. Uh, in light of the pandemic, uh, you know, he offered people. The opportunity to stay home, employees, the opportunity to say, to opt out of, of, of working, uh, you know, in exchange for you, you're taking an unpaid leave, but that's fine. It's an opportunity to stay home and keep yourself safe. Once they were able to call people back to work, once lockdowns ended in, in California, when, if people were still saying, Hey, it's still not safe. That's when they started firing people. You know, he, here's a guy, he's anti-mask and and a, a, a vaccine skeptic. And, uh, fuck Elon Musk, okay? Fuck Elon Musk. Saying that he's uh, got Asperger's doesn't explain him being a dick. <laughs> Anyways, enough of that. Um... So I've got some stuff to talk about uh, about in regards to the podcast, and then we're going to do some tabs. I spent this afternoon, yesterday afternoon, I should say, Monday afternoon, um, I just said, okay, screw this, I'm going to start sending out calls. And um, I I went through my uh, my contact list first. And there's still a whole bunch of people. And I was just sussing out people that I thought would make good guests. And I sent out a, a handful of invitations. And uh, most of the people, I think like 8 out of 10 people got back to me already. And uh, and and uh, 8 of them have, a, all 8 have agreed to be on the show. So uh, this week alone, starting later today, I'm going to end... <laughs> I always say, I or I've said a few times now, I should stop talking about who's going to be on the show because I jinx myself. Well, let's let's put that to the test. 
<laughs> Let's put it to the test. I'm going to tell you the eight people who have agreed to be on the show. And in a few weeks, we'll look back and we'll see how many of them got done. So later today, I'm going to be talking to Joe Dombrowski, uh, who is, of course, a wrestling broadcaster, my former uh, wrestling commentary partner uh, from IWC and from 1PW in England. IWC in Pittsburgh, I should say. Um, Joe has had stints with Ring of Honor, with, uh, with uh, he's done some work for the union, my promotion. Um, good dude. And he has, in recent years, he's produced a few documentary projects, including uh, a look at the uh, Montreal Screwjob. And his latest project involves the Brian Pillman memorial shows that were put on by uh, Les Thatcher and uh, the Heartland Wrestling Association back in 98, 99, uh, 2000. I think there was a 2001 show. Anyways. Um... So, you know, a lot of interviews and and and, and matches from the shows, and it, it should be good stuff. So I want to talk to him about his pro, the, the, the Pillman DVDs and, and some of the other projects he's worked on. Um, now, a, a little further tonight, uh, I'll be talking to Addie Starr, the queen of crazy. Um, ISW is... Uh, Putting together ISW out of Ottawa is putting together. Uh, they have a project right now called One Million Blocks, and Addie is known for her for deathmatch wrestling that involves, in particular, Lego as a weapon. Uh, ISW is putting together has a has a project they're, uh, they're 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 carrying on right now called One Million Blocks. They're trying to gather one million building blocks for a hardcore match. They're um, just under 200,000 right now, I believe. Uh, Wednesday evening, Wednesday afternoon, I'm going to talk to Jamal Eigel, comic book creator Jamal Eigel. Uh, Wednesday night, Channing Decker, wrestler from uh, the tag team, the fraternity, and uh, one of the, one of the minds behind uh, Greek Town Wrestling here in Toronto. Uh, he's also a former uh, IWC tag champ in Pittsburgh. Uh, beginning of last year, I think he was uh, he was working for uh, Big Japan Pro Wrestling, um, and he just played Brian Pillman on the uh, series premiere or the season premiere, I should say, of Dark Side of the Ring, the third season premiere. And then uh, Thursday afternoon, I'm going to talk to Scumbag Yates, Ontario indie wrestler Scumbag Yates. Yeah. Uh, next week, Reed Duthie, the voice of both uh, Alpha One Wrestling in, out of Hamilton, Ontario, and the Ontario Hockey League um, Hamilton Bulldogs team. And uh, next Thursday, we're going to talk to Samuel Elias, um, younger brother of... Well, no, no, hold on. I'm going to take that back. I don't want that to be the first thing I credit him with. Because Samuel Elias is a uh, a popular indie wrestler in uh, Mexico, in the UK. Uh, 
He is uh, part of the team behind WrestleRex in Pittsburgh. And he also happens to be the younger brother of the WWE's Corey Graves. There. That's how we'll put it. Uh, and uh, number eight, Dan Mendoza, comic book creator Dan Mendoza. Uh, he has a Kickstarter that is launching, a new Kickstarter that is launching this Friday. And uh, sometime next week, probably, we're going to talk to him. And so that's the eight. Let's see how we do with the eight. And more invites coming. I think what I'd like to do is start stockpiling some interviews, and then I just have to do this, record an opening for them, um, rather than, you know, it getting to three in the morning and <sighs> trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> um, what else about the show? Um, well, I got some Twitch stuff coming up. I got to start sending, I'm going to start sending out invites to uh, people that aren't in my phone book um talked to a friend of mine who deals with public appearances for uh mma fighters and i'm gonna i've asked him uh if uh if there's anybody on his roster of clients that uh, uh might make a good guest for the show so yeah see how that goes just trying trying to trying to up the content value for you here folks uh, especially for my Patreon people. The, um, the more I'm able to stockpile interviews for Monday and Thursday, the more I'll feel like I can free up some of those interviews for Fridays and they will become Patreon exclusive. I say, uh, I, I, I think, I think I need to, if I want to get the Patreon to a hundred people, to a hundred subscribers, I think I need to start shifting some of the uh, the real top quality content <laughs> to the Patreon. Um, I don't know. I, I, I I'm so wishy washy about it. <laughs> but I gotta start putting some of this stuff behind the paywall. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta force you, motherfuckers, to. Sign up for the fucking Patreon. It's two bucks a month. As little as two. It's two, five, uh, ten, or twenty. Come on, for the love of God. Help your, help your Uncle Kingdom out. You bastards. Uh, <laughs> you know what, you know what part of it is? I saw, um, and I might turn this into a comic strip. I, I saw, uh, there's a, a, a comic, um, a webcomic creator. That I, I looked at their Patreon yesterday and they have, uh, they're making, oh God, something like, something like 12, 12,500 a month off of their Patreon. And my immediate thought was, God damn, I gotta start drawing smut. I really do have to start drawing more smut. That'll bring people in. Give the people what they want, like a, like a best friend's hug on AEW Dynamite. Uh, I, if I start drawing, if I start drawing porn, people might. Oh, this is an unfortunate choice of phrase that I'm. Uh, I realize that I'm almost about to say it. It's a terrible thing to say, but uh, they might beat a path to my door. 
Oh, I don't want that to happen literally. Oh, gross. Oh, I gotta shampoo rugs in the hallway if that happens. Gotta replace my door. Um, yeah. Okay, enough of that nonsense. What else? What else can I tell you outside of news tabs? Um, not much, really. Nah, that's about it. Oh, and Jamar Nicholas is going to come on the show at some point, but it's probably going to be it's going to be during the summer um, because he's working on uh, he's working on the uh, new volumes of Leon Protector of the Playground, and uh, he might have time to chat it up via text for a few minutes. But my brother's got a lot of drawing he's got to do, so. <laughs> Taking an hour, hour and a half for a, a podcast interview might not be the best use of his time. So June, late June or early July, maybe we're gonna we're gonna get Jamar on the show. I've wanted him on the show again for a long time. Uh all right, some tabs, some news. Here's we'll start off with a not so happy one. John Mullaney and his wife, Anna Marie Tendler, are divorcing after his rehab stay. Um, Mulaney, the comedian who I, you know what, just last night I realized just last night I was watching, um, Oh, Hello, the Broadway, uh, the Broadway show. Oh, Hello is him and, uh, um, oh, geez whiz, I'm having a senior moment. Um, uh, I can see the guy. I can... Nick Kroll, that's it. Okay, I looked it up. Nick Kroll. Uh, I was watching the Broadway version of uh, of the Oh Hello show. Uh, oh Hello on Broadway. And um, during the pandemic here, uh, Mulaney, who was just a fucking hilarious stand-up, Mulaney started doing some writing for Seth Meyers. And he did a few segments on the show as well. But then he abruptly disappeared. He checked himself into rehab for 60 days um, because he was struggling with his uh, substance issues. Well, apparently he asked for a divorce. He's out of rehab. He asked Tendler for a divorce three months ago. Uh, comedian John Mulaney and his artist wife of six years, Anna Marie Tendler, are divorcing following his stay in rehab. Uh, okay, stuff I already said. A spokesman for Mulaney confirmed the divorce to Page Six. This is from Page6.com. And added, John will have no further comment as he continues to focus on his recovery and getting back to work. I think it's... I'm not going to speculate. Like, I mean, I could speculate as to why and, you know, what kind of state of mind he's in. And, um, here... So let's, no speculation, let's deal with fact. And the fact is that uh, Anna Marie Tendler has issued a statement of her own. Uh, Tendler, an artist who works across many mediums and is a master's candidate at NYU's Costume Studies program. That sounds terrible, but <laughs> that sounds like something that would break a parent's heart if they heard it. <laughs> but hey, bitch, she ends up with a Tony or an Oscar at some point. 
Um, she added through her spokesperson, quote, I am heartbroken that John has decided to end our marriage. I wish him support and success as he continues his recovery. So she is not down with the idea of divorce. This sounds like it was, um, it sounds like it it's, it's a one-sided decision. So I hope that, uh, you know, he gets through this. Um, it's, it's too bad that it's too bad that divorce has to be part of his road to recovery. Uh, let's see here. Um, oh, let's talk about some, that's an unfortunate situation happening between, uh, two nice people. Let's talk about, let's talk about a situation happening between a nice person and a dirtbag. Uh, Gal Gadot confirms that Joss Whedon, quote, threatened her career during Justice League reshoots. Ah, Joss Whedon, you dick. Uh, this is from, of all places, please excuse me, Fox News. You know what? Nope. Nope. I can't read something from Fox News. When it's bound to exist somewhere else, I won't. Just, ew. Just gross. Just fuck them. All right, from Deadline. Gal Gadot claims director Joss Whedon threatened my career during Justice League reshoot. Actress Gal Gadot has amplified her previous remarks on director Joss Whedon. Renewing the, uh, the heat he's experienced, renewing the heat, was this wrestling? He's experienced for his alleged toxic behavior towards the cats of TV shows Angel and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the film Justice League. Echoing the remarks of others about Whedon's alleged behavior, Godot has uh, previously acknowledged her own run-in with Whedon, but she merely said at the time that she had an, quote, experience, end quote, with him. Uh, quote, which wasn't the best one, but I took care of it there and when it happened. I took it to the higher-ups. Good. In a Saturday interview with Israeli news outlet N12, Gal Gadot is Israeli, uh, Godot elaborated on her prior statement revealing the content of Whedon's threat. Quote, he kind of threatened my career and said if I did something, he would make my career miserable, and I just took care of it instead. Godot claimed to end 12. The clash reportedly came when Godot pushed back on some new dialogue Whedon had written. During the exchange, he also allegedly disparaged Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins. Whedon has denied any wrongdoing, of course. Godot has supported the claims of others, particularly her Justice League colleague Ray Fisher, who has condemned Whedon's alleged behavior and decried the lack of support from Warner Media executives. Warner Media has concluded its investigation into the Justice League allegations against Whedon. It issued a statement saying remedial action has, uh, has been taken, but did not specify what that entailed and has declined further comment. In March, HBO Max aired blah, blah, blah. Okay, who cares about Zack Snyder? Um, good for Gal Gadot. Good for her to, uh, to be empowered enough to to not buckle under to that weirdo. Good for her for, you know, feeling she could go to somebody and do something about it. Um, it's also the difference in situations between 
Gal Gadot and Ray Fisher, though. Um, I mean, no idea what they did to uh, Joss Whedon after Gadot made a complaint, but Gadot is a very attractive white woman who is also um, the star of one of their franchises. Ray Fisher, black guy, B player in in these movies. So, you know, they're going to they're going to roll over for Gal Gadot. Ray Fisher, as you can tell, is not is not welcome back to Warner Brothers. Not that he'd go and he said I wouldn't go back uh you know, he went back for Zack Snyder, he respects Zack Snyder. He wouldn't go back for anything else if he wasn't going to be issued a proper apology. So, it's unfortunate. Um, now, this one I haven't read, so let's find out what the fuck this is about. I just the 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 title alone was too fantastic not to not to add it here. From the New York Post, I worked with Fauci. Now I sell my orgasm art on OnlyFans. That's right, I said orgasm art. <laughs> Uh, Jane Ridley is that her? Okay, this is that's the byline here, but it's not the girl in the article. Um, while some might reach for a cigarette in the moments after climaxing, Hannah Sanford prefers a paintbrush. The former scientist has made a lucrative career out of painting abstract visualizations of her own orgasms, often in the nude or in sexy lingerie. Hard-hitting news at the New York Post. Uh, quote, I really focus on the feeling I had in my body and channel it through me out onto the canvas. Sanford told the Post, it's a creative release. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, release. Sanford, who was formerly employed under the leadership of Dr. Anthony Fauci at the National Institute of Allergy and Infect Infectious Diseases, now sells her so-called orgasm art for $500 a pop. Don't say pop. Uh, the, yes, I am just going to point out all the double on potential double entendres. The work is mostly peddled on Sanford's OnlyFans platform. We'll click that link in a moment. Uh, where subscribers watch Sanford perform sex acts, either solo or in tandem with her partner, Jay Lucas. The video package always includes the 44-year-old interpreting her moments of ecstasy in abstract, either in oil or watercolor. Don't, don't make the next joke, Anthony. What she wears or doesn't wear depends on my mood, she said. I'll either be nude or wearing lingerie. <sighs> don't... Don't make the stupid joke. Okay. Sanford has sold dozens of the resulting paintings, which often feature spirals, splatters, or ever-increasing or decreasing circles. I surrender to the memory of the orgasm, she says. It, somebody's tapping me on the leg here. Some, some, someone small and furry is tapping me on the leg. Hello. Come around here. Come here. Come get your toy. Okay, I'll lure you out with a couple of treats. 
There you go. And then, and you can play with your toy. Sorry, I was getting, I was getting tapped. I'm not paying attention to somebody, and they don't like that. <laughs> I surrender to the memory of the orgasm. Sanford says, "It can feel like tension ahead of an incredible release." Such is her devotion to her craft. Sanford quit her $80,000 a year position at a pharmaceutical firm developing anthrax vaccines. Before that, she was a research assistant at Harvard Medical School studying formulas to fight AIDS, HIV. Uh, or HIV AIDS, excuse me. The, there you go. There's your toy. There's your streamer. Um, the stint was followed by a tenure at NIAD where she focused on deadly viruses such as Ebola. The Vermont native, raised Catholic in a family where, quote, sexuality was downplayed and not encouraged, of course. Catholics. Uh, I'm Roman Catholic, so don't don't get all up in arms. Well, I was raised Roman Catholic. I'm not Roman Catholic now. Um, anyways, the Vermont native found her mojo when she left her science job in 2012. She began creating murals for commercial clients before developing her orgasm art as a side hustle in late 2019. The combined ventures net her an annual income of more than $100,000. Uh, it's hilarious to me that now the pandemic is actually happening. I'm an artist rather than a scientist, she said. Now, Sanford provides her fans with a diversion from the misery of the coronavirus. It's called porn. Just, it's porn. That's fine. You can call it porn. A distraction. Uh, skipping ahead. Sanford ventured onto OnlyFans last year around the time she met Lucas, a 47-year-old heavy construction worker, on a dating app. He looks like Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> I'm looking at a photo of them together, and he, he looks like he looks he looks like Tommy Dreamer's stunt man. Which, if you need to do a, if Tommy Dreamer needs you for a stunt, uh, how bad a bump is that going to be? Hey, flip this car for Tommy Dreamer. Anyways, uh, she added, "I schedule an orgasm every day." Her OnlyFans is twenty bucks a month. The fuck out of here. Uh, she... <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just because I, you know, this is the first I've ever seen of you. I don't, I'm like a pet. I'm not paying. I'm not paying twenty bucks a month for your OnlyFans, but that's me. <laughs> I'm sure she's if she's making a hundred thousand dollars a year, there are people paying for her OnlyFans. Good for her. Good for her. Just out of my price range currently. Um, another goal once COVID-19 has fully passed is to host an in-person gallery exhibition, which I'm guessing would be live sex and include live sex and then painting something. That would be cool. That would be cool. And then right there, hanging on the wall. Anyways, yada, yada, yada. Okay. So it doesn't sound like she's worked for, uh. She's actually worked for Fauci anytime recently, so it's not like she not like the pandemic was declared and she said, Well, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> Fucking New York Post. Um Oh, okay, here's something unfortunate. Uh Doctor Who actor John Barrowman apologizes for repeatedly exposing himself on set. 
Oof. Following the allegations against co-star Noel Clark on the set of Doctor Who, actor John Barrowman has been called to task for his own inappropriate alleged behavior. According to Metro, this is from the day of the Mary Sue, by the way. According to Metro, two former runners alleged that while on set, Barrowman would, quote, get his genitals out on a regular basis. Ugh. It was stressed that it was treated in a joking way and not sexually predatory behavior. One of the women claimed to The Guardian, sometimes he'd call me into his dressing room and I would knock on the door and he'd say, oh, look at this. And he'd just have his willy out standing in the doorway. It was kind of accepted that it was his thing. Sure was his thing. Uh, when he was contacted by The Guardian, Barrowman admitted to, quote, tomfoolery that he now understands upset colleagues, but stressed it was never intended or interpreted as sexual in nature. <sighs> With the benefit of hindsight, Barrowman clarified, I understand that upset may have been caused by my exuberant behavior, and I have apologized for this previously. Since my apology in November 2008, my understanding and behavior has also changed. Okay, well, good for him. So why are we bringing... Okay, if if he has accepted that he acted like an asshole and made an apology and has done stuff to be better. This is a case of somebody that it sounds like they've done something to be better. So I'm not sure why it's come up again. Well, it's come up because Noel Clark, who was on Doctor Who at the same time, got me too'd. Okay, well, I thought this was a new allegation. I did not know that this took... He dealt with this publicly. Mm, okay. <sighs> uh, oh, because we need Ontario stuff. Here from BlogTO. Doug Ford is facing more family legal issues. He just made like $10 million for... Uh, suing the makers of a uh, the producers of a movie about his stupid brother. Let's see. Uh, legal representatives for the younger for for the younger Fords, two kids have filed a what? Oh, let me go back. I skipped a paragraph because BlogTO usually just recaps in their first uh, pair. Family members of Rob Ford are apparently not happy with how his older brother, Doug Ford, is handling the estate of the late former Toronto mayor. Okay, well, we are, we, we've known that for a while because the, uh, the, the widow, the widowed Mrs. Ford, Mrs. Rob Ford, um, has made public complaints about this. Legal representatives for the younger Ford's two kids have filed a formal objection to how the premier who is Rob's estate ex uh, executor, is spending money on legal and accounting fees, is documenting some of the assets his brother left behind, and is generally splitting things up. Oh, Doug Ford's being an asshole? Oh. Apparently, Doug's actions are not completely in line with how Rob wanted the above things done, per a Toronto Star exclusive report. The family is uh, overall calling for more information surrounding certain payments, the allocation of certain funds, and the state of certain investments and assets. Uh, Doug was supposedly due to set up a separate trust for each of Rob's children, da uh, daughter Stephanie and son Doug. Oh, he named his son after his dumb brother. Uh, along with generally sorting out his brother's affairs following his death five years ago. Their mother, Renata, 
who has also just filed her own notice of objection against Doug for the same reasons. Oh, their mother, not not Doug, not Premier Ford's mother, but the widow Ford, um, has also gotten in some litigious hot water lately after being ordered to dole out some 300000 in unpaid legal fees for a lawsuit she launched against brothers-in-law Doug and Randy Ford back in 2018. That lawsuit alleged that the two were mismanaging Rob's estate, redirecting funds into family companies, and preventing his children from accessing money, including a life insurance policy worth a few hundred thousand dollars. This new drama comes just days after Doug allegedly settled with the filmmakers behind Run This Town, a movie about his late brother that he said misportrayed him and exploited his likeness without authorization. I saw uh, a little report, uh, take it with a grain of salt, that during uh, it, during his time as premier, Doug has increased his personal wealth from $3 million to $50 million. Um, Part of one of the reasons why he's been able to do this is during the pandemic, Doug owns Deco, uh, Deco Printing, is that what it's called? Um, one of the things that they print, they've always, the family's always made money off of um, paper and printing. One of the things that his company has cornered the market on is, um, is those big stickers that you put on the floor of, of, uh, of retail stores that you know like have a pair of feet on them and uh you know hey stand here to wait in line for the cash deco labels that's the name of the company um so th- those things i mean those things didn't exist a year and a half ago now they're everywhere and uh dougie boy has cornered the market <sighs> fuck it scumbag Ah, June 2022, baby. Let's get to the next provincial election. Uh, Toronto police lay charges after busting a 150-person party. I saw a little about this. Uh, it was, it was downtown in Chinatown. I'll take you down to Chinatown. Uh, that's an inside joke only Ron Larmondin will get. Uh, amongst, it was 150 people. Cops, the cops were responding to, I don't even have to look at the story for this because I heard about it earlier. Cops were responding to a call about uh, a disturbance in an alley. And I guess there was a, a argument or possible fight going on in the alley next to this building. Once they were there, oh, the cat doesn't like what I'm doing. Uh, once they were there, they heard loud music. They went inside to investigate. Or actually, they didn't go inside to investigate. They called the the uh, TPS's, Toronto Police Services, um, dedicated covid party smasher squad i guess they've got a a special squad that deals with these things now uh the um they entered the property they entered the building it's like an office building downtown uh they entered the building 150 people in a party most of them scampered they were able to uh they were able to arrest 24 people uh, who have been charged under the Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act. Uh, they also seized $13,000 in alcohol. 
<laughs> Thirteen grand in booze. So, uh, and that's wholesale prices, I bet you. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, the cops are, uh, <sighs> cops are stopped. They, the, yeah, the police, the Toronto Police Service has a special COVID-19 enforcement unit. They, uh, uh, anyways, oh, and none of the people at this party were wearing masks, of course. <sighs> Dicks. Oh, well. Some of them go to jail. Uh, all kinds of stuff about the Golden Globes being uh, being white and corrupt. Throw them on the pile with FIFA. <laughs> the Olympics. Anyways, NBC has decided not to air the Golden Globes in 2022. Uh, but maybe again uh, next year. Uh, in the meantime, fucking Tom Cruise sent three Golden Globe statuettes back to the Hollywood Foreign Press uh, Agency. And uh, here, jam these up your pipe hole. Uh, man, it's too, he, he should have gotten Shasin, uh, Sashin Littlefeather to bring them back. There's, that reference is older than... Okay, here, in short. In, I believe it was 1972... When uh, Marlon Brando won the Oscar for uh, for The Godfather, the, the, the original Godfather, instead of going to accept his Oscar or make a speech, he sent a little-known actress, uh, a Native American actress named Sasheen Littlefeather, to take the award, well, to refuse the award, and to deliver a speech, uh, a protest speech. Um, you'll notice nothing really happened. It's, it's still a story people talk about, but nothing really happened to Marlon Brando because he was Marlon Brando. Sasheen Littlefeather was more or less uh, blackballed by Hollywood and uh, a once promising career went nowhere. And... Marlon Brando apparently just more or less disavowed her afterwards. He got what he wanted. He got his he got, he got his you know his fifteen seconds, and uh, yeah, he got his little bit of publicity. But I mean, it's also it's Marlon Brando, right? He could have stood up there and done it himself, uh, like an adult. <laughs> but no, he sent a patsy to do it for him. Uh, anyways, yeah, so Hollywood Foreign Press, it's, uh, I think the Hollywood Foreign Press is made up of, um, is it 70 members or 90 members, something like that, and, uh, none of them are black, not a damn one of them are black, so, <laughs> um, the, the the Hollywood Foreign Press says they're going to do something about that. They're going to bring in, they're going to add 20 members on their way to adding like a another 50% to their membership. And try and do better and fuck that. Who cares? Golden Globes. Who cares about the Golden Globes? If it disappeared, how would your life be different? That's right. It wouldn't. Uh, okay. One more thing. We're at 30. We're coming up on 40. I got a couple, I got something else to say, and then we're going to 
But um, there's a story that was going around uh, late Sunday night of a Bengal tiger on the loose in Houston, Texas. <laughs> from uh, from TMZ, whoever uh, whoever let their tiger out and about on the streets of a Houston neighborhood this weekend is certainly no Joe Exotic, but they are trying to be and almost got the thing killed. There's video, there's a short, like it's like 45 second video of this tiger it's on someone's lawn and then there is there are a bunch of vehicles stopped in the street and it's a little residential neighborhood and uh nice houses but the tiger comes across the lawn and starts walking up to a guy in the street who's outside his truck and this guy is holding like a desert eagle on him a 44 and off camera to the right of this action behind the guy somebody's yelling at him and he's telling them fuck you fuck your tiger while he's pointing the gun at this thing and holy moly like a anyway so apparently what happened is um the owner managed to uh get the tiger back into his suv or something and took off cops got there uh (laughs) They got the license plate. They're tracking the guy down. Um, here we go. Here, from, from TMZ's update. Houston PD tells TMZ cops got a call about the tiger around 8 p.m. Sunday, but when they showed up, the animal was long gone. The police were told their suspect, the presumed owner of the tiger, had stuffed the tiger, haha, pun, uh, into a white Jeep Cherokee and fled. We're told the police actually spotted the vehicle not too long after that, and a pursuit ensued. Oh, my. But they ended up losing sight of it. They, it's good that they didn't turn it into a high-speed pursuit over this, because those things... You ever watch KTLA? Those, those things always end up in a big fucking crash. Um, they nabbed the plates, though, and are currently trying to track the guy down, whom cops describe as a Hispanic male in his late 20s. Houston Police Department says they believe the man was illegally keeping the tiger in the area. Oh, you don't say, huh? Yeah. Don't don't have exotic animals. Okay? They're not they're not house pets. A fucking Bengal tiger is not a house pet. Monkeys, exotic monkey, they're not house pets. Rip your fucking face off and eat it while, you know, you 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 bleed out on them. A tiger, how is that a house pet? You you really have to be special. Get a get an iguana and let it live on your shoulder while you go to the bank. Five points if you can tell me <laughs> what stand-up comedian that's a reference to. Um, yeah, so lucky this thing didn't end up taking a bunch of bullets to its face. I, I I'm I'm astounded that it didn't. Here's a photo from Instagram uh, of the owner corralling the tiger and the guy with the gun pointing and yelling at him, gun still in his hand. Oof. Like, my word, kids. Not smart. Uh, okay. Uh, let's, let's wrap it up. Is there something else I was, there was something I was going to tell you and now I seem to have forgotten. I told you about the guests we're working on. Uh, yeah. Eh, I guess that was it. 
Huh. Thought I had something else. Eh, maybe I'll remember it for Thursday. Anyways, luck. <laughs> I got some, uh, I got some interviews to do t- today. And then tonight will be, uh, code names on Twitch at 9 p.m. Eastern. Tomorrow, John Greed's, uh, backyard wrestling stream. What I'll probably do is, um, I will, I will host his channel on my channel. Um, so you can go to twitch.tv slash greed wrestling, or you can go to twitch.tv slash my name is kingdom. Should be able to see it. Uh, Thursday night poker, Friday night, a movie. I haven't decided what movie yet. There's, I, I have a terrible, terrible movie that I found. Uh, that I think might be just fantastic. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about it Thursday. Um, is that it? I think that's it. Eh, If I remember anything else, uh, I'll tweet about it or I'll, I'll save it for Thursday. (laughs) Yeah. Slew of interviews coming up starting Thursday. Oh, and I know Friday, um, Friday, will be uh, Scumbag Yates, Jordan Yates. Uh, I don't know which interview will be this Thursday, but Friday, definitely Scumbag Yates. Because uh, that's what I've been saying for a couple of weeks, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, all right, kids. That will absolutely do it for today. Uh, until Thursday, please, take care of one another, find some good trouble to get into, and remember, your Uncle Kingdom loves you. Bye. <laughs>